Hey, what's up guys? Thank you for joining me today. My name is Dr. Tom LaHue and uh, welcome to my channel. And um, I would like to just remind you that in the description below is a link to my website, TomLahue.com, where you can book coaching appointments, Enneagram coaching appointments uh, for you or your relationships. And also um, on my website is information about our certificate programs. If you're interested in becoming an Enneagram coach, um, we have uh, several different certificates for you. So I hope you check that out. Also, thanks to my patrons. I really appreciate your support for the channel. Okay, so today we're talking about uh, wisdom from type five for the rest of us. Now, I, got, I found this um, article floating around on uh, some of the Facebook pages, and it is attributed to Anthony Hopkins. I don't know whether Anthony Hopkins actually wrote all this out or whether, you know, he said all of this, but we'll take it for what it's worth. Um, I do believe that this is type five thinking, okay? And I think uh, Anthony Hopkins is probably a type five. Um, he's done some wonderful movies. You may know him from uh, Hannibal Lecter uh, character in um, whatever that movie's called. Um, I was thinking of Shadowlands, which is one of my favorite movies where he portrays C.S. Lewis. Um, but uh, there's a lot of movies that Anthony Hopkins is in. Wolfman or The Wolf or something like that. And I don't know, a bunch of movies. Uh, okay, so let's let's look at this, um, what is attributed to him. Let's look at his statement. Um, and it's really about boundaries, um, about having good boundaries with people. You know, and boundaries can be difficult for some of us. I know as a type seven, sometimes boundaries can be hard for me. Um, you know, when you want everything to be happy all the time and everybody to get along, sometimes uh, it can be hard to have good boundaries. I know twos often have a hard time with boundaries. Nines can have a difficult time. And it's not uncommon for all of us at times to struggle with having good boundaries. Fives, on the other hand, you know, typically have a good sense of where they stop and where other people start. And um, they don't want their boundaries intruded on, and they don't often, um, you know, appreciate it when you intrude on their boundaries. Um, so let's let's look at this, and I think it will have some helpful insights for all of us. I was really impressed with it. I read it, and I thought, wow, this is great, and and I do pretty good with boundaries. So I can imagine that some of you guys that really struggle with the disease to please. You, you like to keep people happy. You're not happy if everybody else isn't happy. Um, and you go after people and want to, you know, nurture and take care of. And you want people to respond well to you. This is going to be very powerful and helpful. Um, okay, so let's read it, break it down, and, and, and talk about it, okay? So it's, it's called Wise Words from Anthony Hopkins. And again, I think this is just good five wisdom uh, something a five might say to all of the rest of us types. Okay, let go the people who are not prepared to love you. Okay, that one statement, you know, is going to be difficult for some of us. I realize that in some situations, it's not possible to let completely go of people in your life that don't respond well to you or don't love you back, don't reciprocate love. I mean, what if it's your child? What if it's, uh, you know, a parent? What if it's your grown child? Um, it may be 
quote-unquote impossible to truly let them go. But there's a sense in which maybe you could come to the realization that this relationship is not going to be all that you hoped it could be or all that it could be. And there's a grief there because you think, you know, this relationship could be so much more. I want it to be more. I, I'm willing to show up and and care about you and love you, but I'm realizing that this is never going to be reciprocated. This is never going to be that kind of relationship. So let go the people who are not prepared to love you. That's the first sentence. It's going to take a while. Um, you know, I... I came to the realization at some point that when you were a child, when you when you were a child, you you would run into your grandmother's house, okay, run into grandma's house, and let's say it's full of people, it's full of family members. As a child, you got the sense early on that there are some people in that house that really do care about you. They want to hear about the toy that you just got. They want to hear about what's going on with your friends at school, your teacher. They are very interested and they show up in a very attending, caring way. And you'll see the children smile at them and run toward them. But didn't you realize that there were other people in that house that really just didn't want to be bothered by your presence? They really didn't want to be bothered by you. They, they weren't attentive to you. They might say, hello, how are you doing? And then that was it. You were not, they were not going to extend an offer of relationship beyond that to you. That's a really sad thing, but you, you, you just kind of came to realize that that's the way the world works. There's going to be several people, maybe Granny. She's going to open her arms and you run to her, but maybe not Grandpa, or maybe not Aunt Ruth, or maybe not Uncle Bud, you know. Um, and there were some that were friendly, but they weren't really going to be your friends. And you realize this as a child. What, what, what's kind of stark you know, as you start to realize as life goes on that this is the way it works everywhere. Even the family that you leave behind, the kids, the grandkids, um, the brothers, as your family develops, you'll realize that it this pattern continues. That even among your kids, let's say you have a host of children, not every one of those grown kids or grandkids is going to extend uh, an open invitation for a relationship. And so just like what you learned as a child, you, you start to realize as you grow older. So let go the people who are not prepared to love you. Why, why is that so difficult for some of us? You know, I always joke about twos. There's twos meet two kind of people, right? If you're a two, there's two kinds of people out there. Those that love you and those that just don't know you well enough. And you're sure you could win them over. You know, you take that difficult teenager, for example, that's very standoffish, very ambivalent, very aloof. You know, and the two's just got it in their head like, I can break through that. I could get through that. You know, uh, hello, Clarice. Speaking of Hannibal Lecter, what is the name of that movie anyway? I, it'll come to me. I know it's driving you guys nuts because you know what it is, and I'm sitting here. Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. So, um, you know, that two sees that young person standing off, not fitting in, you know, disconnected, and they go after them. Like, I'm going to win that kid over. 
Um, I'm going to draw them out of their shell. I'm going to, you know. Okay, that it could be hard for you to hear this statement. Let go of the people who are not prepared to love you. But they will. They will. I will win them over. Okay, let's keep reading. Let go the people who are not prepared to love you. This could be the hardest thing you have to do in life. And by the way, as I read it, I might change some of the sentences to to make make it make sense to me, okay? Um, stop having hard conversations with people who don't want to change. Um, you know, you've done it, I've done it, where you get into the Facebook conversations with people about topics, controversial topics, and... At first, you all start off rational, you know, like, well, this is what I believe and this is what I think and this is my rationale for my argument. And then they come back with, you're a stupid head. And you're like, okay, this is not going to be a rational conversation. Uh, Maybe Facebook um, is not the place to have rational conversations, Um, but it can happen with real conversations with people too, where you just realize... Um, I'm kind of casting my pearl before swine here, like Jesus said. He says, don't cast your pearls before swine, uh, because they will trample them under their feet, and then they will turn and tear you to pieces. And the point is, is you have all this wisdom, all this information, and you're trying to help this person who doesn't want to change. You're trying to help them to understand, but they don't really want to know. And so they trample your pearls under their feet, and then they turn and tear you to pieces. And that's kind of what happens on Facebook a lot of times, my experience, is, you know, when people hide, when, when, they, when we can hide, all of us, when we can hide behind that username and profile picture, um, we become a little less human, I guess. But, I, see, I don't think this is just for twos. I think this is good wisdom for, for ones, eights. Sixes. Listen to what it says. Stop having hard conversations with people who don't want to change. Again, that's not completely possible, right? Because if you're raising kids, they don't want to change. They want to do whatever they want to do, but you're going to have to continue having conversations with them because you are in a locked-in, committed relationship with those people. Um, and you can't get away from them. You can't get away from your kids. They just keep you know, showing up every day. So there are some people that maybe... I realize if you push a statement like this, you could go, yeah, but what about this, Tom? Uh, what about your kids? Oh, what about your wife? What about, okay, I get it. But how many people are you reaching out and making bids to relate to that really you just don't need in your life? You're going to have to kind of flip that switch that, oh, it's going to be one of those kind of relationships. This isn't going to be like a real friendship. Like there's no opportunity here for a real relationship. This is going to be one of those surface level relationships. And now that I know that, you know, let's just operate in that. Let's quit playing games. Let's quit pretending that this is ever going to get beyond, you know, football and weather and vacation talk. This is always just going to be simple, easy, surface level, because really you're not interested in anything more than that. And that's fine. It's just something I need to realize because if I keep pursuing this, I'm going to exhaust myself and you. And that's one of the topics that this paper is going to get into, exhausting your resources, which is a fear of a five. They don't want to exhaust their energy. So 
once you pick up from somebody that they're not interested in any kind of real relationship and they're not really interested in knowing your information and changing, why would you exhaust your resources in expending any more energy in this relationship? Wisdom of the five. Now, of course, I get it, I get it, I get it. We might say, yeah, but as a Christian or as a kind person, you know, I'm, I'm going to continue trying with people. That's fine. That's fine. I think that's appropriate. But think of it as more like knocking on their door. Every once in a while, I will continue to knock on their door and I will invite them to a deeper relationship. And when they don't go through that door, they don't open that door, then I will respect that and I will remember that that's what this relationship is. It's just a surface level acquaintance. It's a friendliness, not really a friendship. Um, I think it's fine to put the welcome mat out, leave the light on, and invite people to more, but don't be surprised if maybe they just don't want that. And let's not mourn that loss. We might grieve that loss, but let's not mourn that loss. Okay, well, why not? Okay, let's see what he says. Stop showing up for people who have no interest in your presence. It hurts, doesn't it? Stop showing up for people who have no interest in your presence. Now, I, again, I want to give a word of warning because sometimes very sensitive people, they can perceive that others don't value them to the level that they believe that they deserve to be valued. And I think we want to be careful that we're not so sensitive that we clam up, we withdraw, and we disconnect from people who really do want to relate to you. They just might relate to you in a way that is not as warm and sensitive as what you would like. So there are people in your life that do want to relate to you, but maybe they just are a little clunky in how they relate to you. And maybe it's not as um, deep as you would expect it to be. So I think there's a difference between people that do love you, they just maybe don't live up to your expectations, and those that just aren't interested in, in, in you, or they're not interested in your presence. And I think most of us could probably benefit from thinking about that statement a little bit more, as it is. Stop showing up for people who have no interest in your presence. I think about how many threes, you know, might be um, very concerned with how they're being per perceived by who? By them? You know, I need their approval. Do you? Who are they? Whose approval is it that you need? And it's not just threes, but I think of them as a category, you know, of people that, hey, look what I just did. Look at what I accomplished. Look at look at the new diploma. Look at the, the, the marathon I ran. Look at the uh, the trophy I just got. Look at the award. Look at the position. It's like, what would happen if nobody applauds this? Would you still do this? Would you still pursue this? It's because you're passionate about it or is it because you need stop showing up for people who have no real interest in who you are as a person, your presence? Wow. I know your instinct is to do everything to earn appreciation. And again, there's kind of strikes a two, right? Because twos want to be appreciated. They do so much. They take care of us. Don't they want to be appreciated? Aren't they deserving of our appreciation? Sure. Absolutely they are. Or ones. 
They should get our appreciation. Look at all they're doing for us, working so hard. And yet, sometimes we don't think to appreciate them. I know your instinct is to do everything to earn the appreciation of those around you. But it's a boost. It's a it's a boost to your self-esteem that, now here's the five, listen, that steals your time, your energy, your mental and physical health. Remember, fives, their sin is greed, right? And so you're not taking my time. You're not taking my energy. You're not taking my, my, my focus of attention. And so I think it's important to keep this in the context of the five, that this is wisdom from a five that, that showing us things that we might not see since we're not fives. Like I've only got so much energy in the day. I've only got so much, I've only got so much funny to share around, so much joy to give. I've only got so much grace to, uh, I'm not a, I'm not a, 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 um, an unending resource. I've only got so many spoons, you know, I've only got so much time, so much focus of attention I can give. Why am I giving it to people that don't care? Now I do, I think like, like you give, you know, charity. I think maybe there should be some charity in our time and charity in our energy that does go out to those that may not always appreciate. But I might say it like this. Why am I giving my best resources to people who are not inside my fort. If I have a fort full of the people that love me and care about me, wouldn't it make sense that I would give my best resources, time, energy, attention, to those inside my fort? Yet it seems like some people neglect those on the inside of their fort and give away their best resources to those on the outside of the fort. Maybe the people on the inside of the fort take you for granted. Maybe the people on the inside of the fort uh, you're angry with or you're hurt by or you're upset with. And those people out on the outside, they appreciate me. They listen to me. They care about me. They applaud what I'm doing. But you're giving your best resources to people that really um, may not be the most important people in your life. I get it. Every person's important. Don't misunderstand me. Okay. Don't make me say what I'm not saying. Okay. All right. Um, let go. All right. When you begin to fight for a life of joy. I love that because joy, that's important to me. A, a life of interest and commitment. Not everybody's going to be ready to follow you. In other words, when you know what your purpose is and you start moving toward your purpose with zeal, and you start focusing on that agenda. And if you don't know what your purpose is, you know, I think a good place to start is the Enneagram. Because think about it like this. What we seek in our average health is what we bring in our health. So if you're a seven, you're looking for happiness and satisfaction. What do sevens bring? Happiness, joy, and satisfaction. What do um, nines seek? Comfort? Security or comfort, peace, tranquility, um, harmony, and when healthy nines interact with others, that's what they bring. They make us feel more comfortable, more at peace, more harmony in the workplace, and all of us are like this. So starting with your enneagram type is a good good way to think about like what should I go after in life? You know what am I here for? What am I here to bring? What have I brought to the potluck dinner? Um. And I think it's somewhat rooted in your your personality. Okay, so 
when you start moving toward what it is you believe you're here to do from a Christian worldview, what you believe God has called you to do, just recognize that not everybody's going to want to go on this journey with you. That could be very painful. Because you think, well, these people, they're my partners. You know, they're with it. They're with me, aren't they? Aren't you guys? Where'd you go? Aren't you guys with me? This doesn't mean you need to change who you are if they're not willing to necessarily walk with you. It means you should let go of the people who are not ready to accompany you. Ow. I am not a two, and this is painful. Let go of the people who are not ready. That's boundaries. It's boundaries. I always say with boundaries, you know, don't get mad at the goats. Get mad at the fence. If there's goats in your yard chewing up, tearing up stuff, your tendency is to get mad at the goats. Goats are goats. People are like that. They will be invasive. They will be intrusive. They will take advantage and manipulate you if you let them. Um, what's wrong with your fence? How come your fence isn't keeping out the goats? It has a sign on it, doesn't it, that says no trespassing? So why isn't that working? Screaming at goats isn't the way to fix the problem. Goats don't care if you scream. They might get startled for a minute, but they'll probably just think you're crazy. Um, you need a good fence. If you want more information about boundaries, check out the book, Boundaries. It's a very Christian book, so if you don't like that, be warned. But Boundaries by John Cloud and, or Henry Cloud and John Townsend, they have a whole series. The Disease to Please, that's another really good one. I'm sure there's many, many more books on that subject, but boundaries. A lot of us have problems with boundaries. Okay. Um, let go of the people who aren't ready to accompany you. Again, well, what if it's my kid? What if it's my wife? What if it's my dad? What if it's these people that, you know, I have to relate to? I can't just walk out and leave these people. Well, <clears throat> geographically, you can't. That's true. Physically, maybe you can't. You have a job, you have to work, and these are the people you work with. But Maybe you could, in a sense, let them go metaphorically. Maybe you could let them go in terms of your expectations for them. Like, oh yeah, it's going to be this kind of relationship. Why do I keep thinking that it's going to be more? Lucy keeps moving the football. She holds the football up. I think there's going to be more. I start to run toward it, and then I realize she's going to move the football. And I'm always surprised that I keep getting let down. I'm getting let down not because the other person is a jerk, but because my expectations are not in line with reality. I keep expecting more. And maybe if I could let go of my expectations that it's going to be this kind of relationship, then maybe we'd all feel a lot better and we'd all be able to relate better once I accept that it's not going to be that kind of relationship. It's going to be the other kind of relationship. The one where we get along, the one where we're friendly, the one where we pass each other and we, we small talk but we don't really do much more than that. Okay. Sad. I know. I know. Um, some people are just prickly too. Like you love them and you want to, you want to open up your home to them. And then you find out that, well, they're talking about me behind my back. Oh, great. Never mind. Okay. I have a ton of love to give, but you know, not everybody wants to receive that love. And it's true with God, too. I mean, God wants to love everybody, too. He does love everybody, but not everybody 
Not everybody cares. If you are excluded, insulted, forgotten, or ignored by the people you give your time to, you don't do yourself a favor by continuing to offer your energy and your life to them. Mm. The truth is, you are not for everyone and everyone is not for you. And that's true. I mean, that is that is true. It's not maybe the most pleasant thought, especially when you need to go to bed at night. You know, I love others. I am nice. I am kind. I am friendly. And people love me and I love them. And I'll do whatever it takes to be loved. You don't know how far I'll go to be loved. It's very hard for you to get to the point where you're just like, it's not going to happen. Um, and when I really think about it, you know, they're not on the inside of my fort. The truth is you are not for everyone and everyone is not for you. If you're a seven like myself, you know, no, we're all friends, right? We're all friends or a six. We're all on the same team, right? We're not? Well, then I need to be against them. No, I don't really need to be against them because, again, the five would say that's an expenditure of energy. Why would you expend energy being against somebody? The eight, I need to be against them. Why? Are they that important to you that you need to be against them? Um, what if you could be apathetic? What if you could just be like, okay with it? What if you just accepted it? It is what it is. Um, some people out there are going to be close. Some people out there are going to be maybe hostile. And then there's just going to be a lot that are neutral. I don't have to win them over. Why do I feel like I have to win them over? What is missing in me that I feel that I need them to acknowledge, recognize, appreciate, laugh at, relate to me. What? Why do I need that? That's an interesting question. Perhaps more interesting than why can't I win them over is why do I, why do I always feel the need to? Okay, that's what makes it so, spe so special when you meet people who actually do reciprocate love. Because if you recognize that some people don't, in fact, maybe most people don't, then when you find people that do, that makes those people stand out. They've been highlighted. Like, hey, this person actually wants a friendship. They're, they want a relationship. They want to take this relationship to a more intimate or, or a deeper place. Maybe I should be open to that. Um, because not everybody is showing up that way in my life. Okay, listen to this. This is powerful, all right? I wish I wrote all this stuff. At least I can do is read it. Okay, it says, The more time you spend trying to make yourself loved... Ow. Just that is... Mm. The more time you spend trying to make yourself loved by someone who is unable to, the more time you waste depriving yourself of the possibility of that connection with someone else. 
That is a powerful thought. Like, I don't have an unlimited amount of time and energy. And I'm expending it trying to push something that, you know, the metaphor that came to my mind is trying to push jello. I saw this giant, I love metaphors, and I think in terms of metaphors, and you guys hear them all the time on my videos. Sometimes they make sense, and sometimes not so much sense. But anyway, the metaphor that came to my mind is, imagine a giant jello ball. <laughs> if there could be such a thing, and you're trying to push that jello ball uphill, right? So what happens? Well, you push one side up, the other side starts to goop down, and then you get under that side and you try to push that side up, and the other side starts to goop down, and then you just find yourself smooshing right into the middle of it, right? And you're just covered in this big red jello ball. It's not working. It's not working. So you're exhausting your energy trying to push a jello ball <laughs> up a hill. There are some relationships that are just big giant jello balls. Can I get an amen? <laughs> there's some there's some relationships that just are like trying to push jello up a hill. When you recognize this, like I'm wearing myself out here and I don't know that this is ever going to really work. So why am I spending so much energy trying to force something that should be natural? Relationships do take work, yes, but there's another sense in which they they spontaneously happen. They, they are natural. They are organic. If I'm working this hard to make this happen, maybe it shouldn't be happening. Um, I'm not saying don't work on your marriage, okay? Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying don't pursue people. I'm just saying when they clearly give the response back that they're not interested, then you should hear that response. When people show you who they are, you should believe them. When people make it clear that they are not open to anything more, then it's wise to respect that. Love always accepts uh, people's freedom. They are free to connect to you. They are free not to. And if they don't really want to go any deeper, then it's wise for me to accept that and to recognize it and not think, well, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What do I need to do in order to show them that I am this wonderful person that they need to know and love? And get... Why do I need that? What is missing in me that I need their attention their applause, their approval, their warm, you know, smile. Why do I need that? Okay. Something deeper that I might need to address here. Okay. Um, there are billions of people on this planet. And, you know, maybe you could meet some who share the same interest that you have and the same commitment that you have and really want a real relationship. The more you stay involved with people... Oh, this is painful. This is going to hurt. If you've not read this before, it's going to hurt some of you. Some of you are going to laugh and be like, oh my goodness, absolutely. I totally agree with this. Why doesn't everybody know this? But re recognize you you kind, gentle folk, folk out there, folk, this is going to be painful. Okay? Be prepared for the tear to come into your eye. 
The more you stay involved with people who use you as a pillow, a background option, or a therapist for their own emotional healing, the longer you end up staying away from the community you really want. Ah, ow. People using you as a pillow. In other words, life is hard and I'm going after all these things I care about. And then when I can't have those things or those relationships, well, there's always Mary. I can always turn back to Mary. I'm going toward all of these objectives in my life. And when it doesn't work out and I don't get what I want, well, there's always Mary. She's my background option. She's my pillow. She's always there. So I can always go, you know, I can always rely on Mary. My pillow, my background option, my therapist. When my real relationships that I pursue don't work, then I've got the background Mary that I can always go to. Ow. And so what he's saying is, you know, if this is how you're relating to people, they're probably never going to give you what you really want in a relationship. So there's people out there that would. That's the idea. There's people out there that would. Why don't you go find them rather than to spend all your time supporting those that don't really care about you. They're not really interested in you. They're interested in using you to support themselves and their own agenda, but they're not really interested in being your friend. You can kind of tell these people, right? When you have conversations, they tell you everything about their life, but they ask no questions about yours. You'll see it with two moms. Um, oh, let me tell you about my sweetie. Oh, she's an honor student at the school. Oh, she's going to try out for band practice. And oh, I don't know. She's got this rash. And I, okay. And then the other mom says, you know, my daughter, oh, that's nothing. Wait till you hear about. And then it's like, we go right back to me and my child and my needs and my special vacation and my marriage and my, okay. You end the conversation with this person and you realize I know everything about them. They didn't ask any questions about me. Why? I wonder why. Because they're not interested. They're not interested in you. They're interested in themselves and in their little world and their little agenda. And they need you to be their audience. They need you to be their support. They need you to be their pillow, their therapist. But maybe they're not really showing up for you in a way that feels like they're interested in you. I wonder why. Is there something wrong with me? Probably not. Ow. Mm. The more you stay involved with people who use you as a pillow, a background option, or a therapist. Now, I think it is okay. Don't. I don't want to make too much out of this. I think it's okay to show up in some people's life as a pillow, as a background option, as a therapist to help them get through the crisis of life. And maybe you don't expect anything more than that because after all, 
I just want to help others. Okay, I think that's that is um, that is acceptable. Just know that that's going to be the nature of the relationship. I think it's when you don't know that, when you're not aware that this is a one-sided relationship, you keep getting surprised, fooled, and then angry and bitter. But I think it's fine in circumstances to show up saying, I want to be there to help. Look, my life is so, like this, think like this. My life is so full. My life is so rich. I have so many people in my life that love and truly care and support me. These people over here don't. And so I'm going to be that for them. And I will show up, care for them, minister to them, help them. Yeah, but at 8 o'clock, you know, I go home to my real friends. I think it's okay. It's when you think those people really are your friends and they really are invested in the relationship is when you get the opportunity for bitterness because you might realize, oh, oh, I'm kind of like the nanny here and they're like the, you know, the bad child. Got it. Okay. Maybe if you stop showing up, what would happen? What if you stopped attending to these people in your life? What would happen if you stopped attending to them? Um, well, maybe you wouldn't be wanted. That's a, that's a sad thought. It really is. I can kind of be lighthearted about it because I'm not on the worth and value type. I'm, I'm over here on the fear type. and Maybe you wouldn't be wanted. That's an awful thing to not feel wanted. I mean, really it is. It's an awful thing. Um, maybe if you stop trying, the relationship would be over. There wouldn't be a relationship anymore if I wasn't calling, if I wasn't checking in, if I wasn't attending, if I wasn't softening and supporting, giving assurance, the relationship would end. Maybe if I stopped texting them, then my phone would go dark for weeks. Now, listen to this. That doesn't mean that you've somehow ruined the relationship. It means the only thing that was holding the relationship back from collapsing was all of the energy that you were supplying to it, all the energy that you were giving to it. And that's not really love. It's certainly not really connection and love. Uh, it's more of like an attachment. Um, you might even say enablement, like not really is that really the relationship that you want if if it would collapse if you backed up 4 inches and the whole thing collapses was it very secure in the first place well of course not not really the now listen here's the fiveness okay you'll just it bleeds five energy and it's so wise and it's so helpful for us who are not fives to just hear this reminder from over on the other side of the board. Five, tell us your wisdom. Five, share with us your insight. Five, help us to see the way you see the world just a little bit so that it can expand our understanding of how to live as people on this earth. The most valuable thing that you have in your life is your time and your energy. Now remember, what is the fear of the five? 
that people are going to steal that. They're going to intrude on that. They're going to intrude on your space and your time and your energy. It's the most valuable resource you have. And both are limited. And when you give your time and energy, it will define your existence. In other words, whatever you give your time and your energy to, that's who you are. That's, that describes what kind of person you are. You know, you could say that you value children, but if your wallet and your time and your energy in no way goes toward helping children, then it's just talk. It's not really who you are. You could put a bumper sticker on your car that says, my dog is precious and my best friend and who rescued who? And you could put all these signs on your car about how much you love dogs. But if you go home and don't have a dog or you don't love your dog, you don't walk your dog, you don't care for your dog, then it's just a bumper sticker. It's not really who you are if you don't put your time, energy, treasure toward that. So you only have this limited resource of time, energy, treasure, talent, whatever it is. Be careful who you give that to because it will define you. Okay. When you realize that truth, you'll begin to understand why you're so anxious when you spend time with people and activities and places and situations that don't really suit you. Why? Because your energy is being stolen from you. And there's the fiveness, right? Is like, you're not going to take my energy. Your energy is being maybe used up. And so then you come home, let's just say, come home to the people that really care about you and there's no energy left. And I hope the people in your home are, really do care about you. Because it can be painful if that weren't true. Ow. Your energy is stolen. You'll begin to realize that the most important thing you could do for yourself and for everyone around you is to protect your energy more fiercely. More than anything else, make your life a safe haven, he says, which only compatible people are allowed. And I think it's, it's true that the idea is like fill the 80% of your space with people that love you and truly care about you. And then give the 20% away, offering invitation and support to those that may or may not be for you. In other words, you still have to love your enemies. You still have to pray for those that persecute you and love those that maybe don't show up in the most loving way. Um, but to give your best time and energy to those who love you the most. It makes sense. It makes sense. Um, those who are most compatible to you. Now, we're getting close to the end, but the pain is not over yet. Okay? You are not responsible for saving anyone. Ooh. I know you love your child. I know you love your grandchild. I know you love that person on the other side of the office whose life is shattered and you feel this deep empathy for them and your heart breaks for them and you want to see their life better. You see them making mistakes. They're addicted. They're confused. 
They're stumbling around in the darkness and their life is suffering. Their health is suffering. And I know that your soft heart is breaking for them to the point that you could risk your own safety, your own security in an effort to try to help them and keep them from collapsing. Listen to this statement again. You're not responsible for saving anyone. Now, from a Christian worldview, you have to see that there's already a Savior, period. So, and it's not me. It's not you. We want to see people helped, cared for, and loved. But ultimately, I can only do so much. What if that person doesn't want my help? They're not open to my care or my concern. I've got to respect that. You are not responsible for convincing them to improve. This is not just to twos, is it? Think about the ones who need to hear that statement. Think about the eights that might need to hear that statement. You're not responsible for saving anyone. You're not responsible for convincing them to improve. You could point the way. You could say, hey, you know, something like that happened in my life. And let me tell you how I managed to pull my way out of this. And so you give them some insight. You might give them some wisdom. But what if they don't receive it? That's their choice. And I've got to accept that. I can't fix myself. How am I going to fix them? Okay, let's keep going. It's not your work to exist for people and to give your life to them. Mm. I think it's totally okay to help people. It's totally great to care for people. It's totally great to not want to give up on anyone. That's wonderful. It just shows what a wonderful, caring person you are. What moral strength you have. It is admirable. But what happens when those people reject your help? When they criticize your assistance, when they react negatively and they scratch back against you and push you out of their way, did you do something wrong? You didn't really do anything wrong. You just maybe need to realize that everybody has the freedom to do what they want. And I can put, I can put him on hoarders, but that doesn't mean he has to clean his house. It's his house. I mean... If he wants to live in that rat den, I could suggest a better way. I could be willing to show up and help. Hey, do you need some help cleaning up? I'll help you clean up. I'll put gloves on. I'll put a mask on. I'll put a bandana around my hair. And I will help you clean up. Oh, you don't want me to help. Oh, okay. Well, all right. I got to respect that. If you like living with all of these rats 
and all these rat droppings and all this urine and all this stuff around and broken bottles and newspapers and that's what you're comfortable with, it would never work for me. And I feel a lot of sympathy that you're accepting this, but if that's the way you want to live, then I will back up and I will not intrude in your space any longer. And I will respect your decision to live as you choose to live. I got yelled at for wanting to help them. They're a bad person. I got yelled at for wanting to help them. I'm a bad person. Um, I think you got yelled at because you're trying to push them in a direction that they're not wanting to go. They don't want to change. And until they want to change, then why am I trying to help them? Okay. Maybe I'm the one that needs to change by accepting this is who they are. They've shown me who they are. And I'm a fool if I don't recognize it. I can still love them. And I can still offer assistance, but I don't need to save them. I don't need to force my will in their life to clean up their life so that it fits what I think it should be. Wow. If you feel bad... If you feel compelled to force your help on them and care for them, you then are the root of your own problems. That is a powerful thought. Because in your mind, you're thinking, they're not treating me right. They're not responding to me right. They're being harsh and critical of me. But what you're not realizing is you're the one that keeps putting yourself in their face. You keep going after them. They've already made it clear to back up, but you keep trying to go after and saving them, and now they're getting angry with you. Learn the lesson. They don't want your help. And that is such a painful moment. I know, it's painful. They don't want to connect. They are Aunt Ruth. They are not Granny. Granny, come here! How's my baby? Oh, look at you. Did you get a haircut? Yeah, Granny, I did. <laughs> no, this is Aunt Ruth. This is, oh, you know, you guys need to put your shoes by the door. You shouldn't be wearing your shoes in the house. That's the relationship you're going to have with Aunt Ruth. Once you recognize that, now you can live in that relationship because you know that's what it's going to be. No, but I could win Aunt Ruth over once Aunt Ruth sees how. Why do you need this? Why do you need Aunt Ruth to be won over? Why can't Aunt Ruth just be Aunt Ruth? Okay. Uh, you then become the root of all your problems, fearing that they won't return the favors you granted. They're probably not going to. It's your only obligation to realize that you are the love um, and the destiny um, and accept the love you deserve. I think what that's trying to say is that you don't need those people. Let's say it like this. There's two kinds of people out there. Those you're building your life with and those you're building your life for. I'm building my life with these people who are here to support, love, and care about me. And I'm going to love and interact and laugh and exchange and give and be generous to these people that I'm building my life with. And that's where my 80% of my time is going to be spent. That's where I'm going to work and give anything and everything I can to these people that have proven to me they want to build their life with me. And then there's all the other people that we're building our life for. 
I'm going to care about them. I'm going to help them. I'm going to offer wisdom, insight, suggestions to them. But what if they... I'm not building my life with those people. I'm here to help them. But if they reject that, that bid for a relationship, or if they reject that offer for hospitality, or if they reject that desire to show up, I'm going to respect that. And I'm going to go home to the people that desire that relationship. Decide that you deserve true friendship. Real friendship. People are not hamsters that you're taking care of. People are not kittens. They're not goldfish. They're not houseplants. It needs to be more than just, well, they sit and judge how well I'm being a friend to them. They cry, moan, wail. I show up, give comfort, aid, and assistance, and then they depart again back into their life. Is that really friendship? Decide that you deserve real, true friendship. Real, true commitment. True and complete love with healthy and prosperous people. In my mind, that does not mean financially prosperous people. It means like people who have, for example, joy in their life. But I'm a seven. For you, it might be something else. But people that have something to give. They're not just leeches. You know, there's an old saying, like, the reason their marriage didn't work is because they're two ticks with no dog. They're just sucking life out, but they're not bringing anything to the dinner. Um, then wait and see how much everything begins to change. Don't waste your time with people who aren't worth it. And I think I'm okay with that statement in terms of like giving your best energy to try to have a relationship with people. On the other hand, there's a big part of me that thinks like once I get full, then I do need to go to those that may not be considered worth it and and reach a hand out saying, you know, there's more in life, there's more, there's you could you could be more, you could live for more, you could have more, you could become more. And so I do want to give time to those not worth it. That might be said a little bit harsh. Um, I think maybe you could say, don't expect more from those people than you should. Change will give you the love, the esteem, the happiness, and the protection you deserve. Okay, well... Um, you can probably find this, you know, on Facebook being passed around. That's where I found it is being passed around on. I just saw it and I was like, ooh, ow. A lot of that stuff people pass around is just not that helpful. But that was helpful. I was like, wow, that is that is five stuff. It's wisdom that all of us would benefit from hearing um, from that perspective. Okay, guys. Thank you for joining me for this video. I hope the information is helpful. And like I said at the beginning of this video, if you want to reach out for coaching, um, my website, Tom LeHue, you can check that out. I'd love to talk to you. Or if you're interested in learning about coaching others, or you just want to go through, you know, the, the sort of the 
the school of coaching so that you could maybe think about this for your own life or for those that you care about and how to use the Enneagram to, to move toward more healthy life or lifestyle or relationships, I'd love for you to, uh, to check out one of those certificate programs. Um, and, um, as always be present to life and be mostly present to those people that really want to relate to you and really love you for who you are and accept you for who you are. Let's, Let's spend the bulk of our energy and our time there. All right, guys, take care. Blessings.